0: knobs the guitars gear noise and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs tony dudzik pick guardian jared brandon in the house no less live Let's, and in person i'm right here jared is right there sitting across from us where he should be when he's here uh hey everybody this is me Todd Novak. welcome to the guitar knobs podcast we're thrilled to death that you are Woo-hoo! listening to our show that's right. welcome. Yes, yes, yes. And that crazy person clapping in the background is our special guest. Who are you, special guest? Hi, from Atlanta, Georgia. This is Kenny Howes. How are you? Doing very well. I know you weren't knows. asking me. You were asking the audience, but, but I felt like responding. It was well, such a nice I, thing.
1: I, I was going to get a response back quicker from you than <laughs> I would from the audience. Right? <laughs> that yeah, is very true. delayed. It's crickets out there. Yeah. It's right, a right. so, rough
0: room. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special shoe tonight, and I want to share something that's going to set this up. Set it up, Todd. Well, this is what happened. We got a very special message from Justin Valerio. Just wanted to reach out and say that I've been loving the podcast. Thank you so much. I work for one of the major guitar builders as QC. That's uh, quality control. So I've managed to get through the back catalog of episodes through my days. The 101s specifically have been insightful. Thanks for all the work you guys put into this. Well, Justin, let me tell you, we got a very special 101 because this is rickenbacker you said it right 101 i right. I, I had to double check rickenbacker 101 oh i know everybody's like gripping the steering wheel and going yes finally you know we've heard tony talk about the ricks for years now and we decades decades if not that and our special guest whom who d- so delightfully just introduced himself is what what is your role in this kenny well, um, uh, I have been playing
1: almost exclusively Rickenbackers since the 1980s. I um, am a, uh, a big fan, obviously, and I was an employed by the company for seven years in a variety of roles. I uh, was not quality control, but I was uh, director of sales, um, a little bit of R&D, um, artist relations, all kinds of stuff. And um and I still play them and uh, collect them to this day. So you and know a
0: thing or two about the Rick. I do. I do. Right.
1: I've, uh, I, and oh, and I have a quote in uh, Martin Kelly's new book, uh, the Rickenbacker book that's coming out next month, I think. Ooh. I we'll we'll know that one was We'll have out. to maybe get him on. Uh, he's, he's in England, so you have a, a time difference thing, but okay. yes, uh, he's, um, he, he would probably be I'm delighted. I'm sure he can row himself here by then. I'm going to get this wrong, uh, but the, the title of the book or the byline of the title of the book is something to the, it, it I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote, uh, an amazing coffee table book about Fender guitars, uh, a few years ago. And this is sort of the, the Rickenbacker companion piece to that. But the, 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 the byline of the, of the, of the book is called, and I'm going to get it wrong. Something like, out of the frying pan into the fire glow.
2: Ooh, mm-hmm. I
1: like Very it. clever. But I have seen I have seen uh, a lot of um, uh, sneak preview of a bunch of the photos of the book, and it's going to be tremendous. But I got a quote in it. Yay. All right.
2: Yeah. Well, we also share something in common, Kenny. Uh, we were both in the acknowledgments of Paul Boyer's The Rickenbacker Electric Bass.
1: Wow! Tony
2: <laughs> I, was, a, I was acknowledged.
1: I, I was uh I didn't I, I don't know if I saw that one of my bases is in there actually. Yeah, I
2: know which one it is. I know yeah. guy, I know a guy that made the pick guard for it. So you're. Oh, in the- yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just playing that. Uh, I got a new bass amp last week, so or, so uh, so I was just giving that one a test drive through it. So that's good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, n- needless to say, we are going to learn from two. Long-time yes. aficionados and, dare I say, experts mm, on Rickenbackers. <laughs> All right, I'll, maybe I'll leave that in there. And That's I'll be fine.
3: taking a back seat to this.
0: Yes, Jared and I are going to learn, 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 and have a good time. Yes, we will. Just <laughs> like you out there who are still listening. That's right. <laughs> um, Both of you. So uh, we're going to we uh, just have two quick announcements, and then we're going to get into what's going on in our music world this week. Okay. Now, uh, announcement number one, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, one of our executive producers, Jason Rausch, who is – he does a lot of electronic stuff in his day job. And he sent us a box of goodies that he's been developing for those who are – I guess interested in 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 the breadboarding experience, he made essentially a couple of modules to help speed the process up and make things a little bit more um, efficient and uh, stuff like that. So uh, it, he's you know he's trying to figure out like, hey, how can I apply my daily job into helping out the guitar community? So he mentioned, if we mentioned to you all, if you have any desire to to contact him and just say, hey, that, that sounds pretty cool, um, you can get a hold of him on Instagram, uh, Jason Roush. And um, I will, while I'm looking, while, while one of these <laughs> clowns is talking, I will be sure to look that address up to give it to you. Okay? That would be really nice of you. Yeah. And, uh, and he's happy to connect with anybody and everybody because he really loves the guitar community and he's a great supporter of it. So thank you so much, Jason. Um, And I also wanted to share a quick four on the floor. This is from uh, John Sluhan, like ham. He said, uh, I told myself if I ever mailed you all, all that I had to provide a four on the floor. These pedals were purchased back when I was like 16 to 18 years old. Uh, and so he wanted to share those with us. His four on the floor. Number one, a Qtron envelope <laughs> filter.
2: <laughs> How old is this gentleman?
0: <laughs> well, he, he, i know. It says like two thousand four, two thousand six. Uh, so yeah, he's not it, that old. Oh, okay. They yeah,
3: uh, yeah. Qtron is uh, did they
2: did they do a it reissue of this? Yeah. I thought it's the
0: nineties like, big box reissue. Oh okay. yeah, okay, okay. So
1: it's it's electro harmonics, isn't it? I think,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, I don't know. yeah. Uh, huge fan of 311, and they use it on the so- songs like Amber, Champagne, and Plane, Had Me Hooked. Uh, number two, a Boss OC2. This thing really beefs up, single note runs, and adds depth to everything. Number three, the Vox V87 Wah. I don't Good. know that I know that specific model uh, too well. Mine is a 9-volt operated with, and the sag gives it, a great lower, not so bright sweep of the wah, and creates a great tone. All right, nice. glad you know your Vox 87 so well. Uh, number four, Boss CE2. This was this was a hand me down from my father, who plays acoustic singer songwriter music from the '60s and '70s. After doing the research on this pedal, it will never leave my possession. Mm. So, thank you, <laughs> nice. John uh, S- uh, Sluhan. Uh, and we are very grateful for you sending that in. We always love hearing nice, that Always stuff nice from people. to
2: hear what people cherish.
0: Yes, Cher- cherish. Uh, cherish. We're going to find out what's going on in our music world this week because we got to get through some stuff to talk about a whole bunch of oh, Rick and yeah, backer stuff. Brother. That's right. Tanya Balonski is yes. going to lead us off. This and week. And then we're going to check in with our pal, Kenny. And then we'll uh, make it around the horn. This was a big week. Oh, yeah. Not only did I get to have lunch
2: with my buddy Jared yesterday. At that weird yeah, place. I for, like it. Thanks yeah, for telling me. It's a nice place. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, you, you only eat that vegetarian stuff. Mm, true. We, we go after beef. They're yeah. not vegetarian <laughs> there. No. So I finished and shipped, and he received it today, the Fender Maverick slash custom guitar that I made for Carl Carl Mullen. Uh, he used to be with a band out of Pittsburgh called Car Sickness, and he had oh, yeah? one of these back in the 80s that he played. Cool. And he asked me to make him one because I contacted him wanted to get some details of what his was like. So he just got it today. He plugged it in, was thrilled. Um, and finally, I got my 1948 Gibson Super 300 back. Ooh back in shape man man that thing stinks. Um, it's a it's a it's a i mean it literally guitar. smells it smells really funny bad. but
3: i tell you i didn't want to give it back to tony no
2: i, I was like <laughs> it's a delight to play i was like how much do you want for it he's like
0: not for sale, <laughs> not for sale. it is beautiful man, so this it is plays
2: awesome it's a it's a wonderful instrument and, and the beauty of it i put strings on it i mean we had there were some repairs that needed to be done which were done and i had to make a pick guard for it but I put strings on it. I didn't even have to adjust the truss rod. It was I mean it was it like like it never skipped the beat. It's got it,
1: diagrams. Is that a dress down Super four hundred?
2: Yeah. Uh and I never I didn't even know these existed until I saw this one. And um, basically, it, yeah, it was a you know less fancy uh, Super 400. Basically, the construction's the same, scale, size, everything's the same. Well, it's got binding. It's got a well, beautiful pickguard. Super pick has yeah, got parallelograms. Has, yeah. And the Super 4 has even more ornamentation and mm. more figured wood. Gold hardware. This had nickel
0: hardware. And I take uh, that
2: all day, man. That's a great good yeah. it, it is, I,
0: because it's not overly done. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like... A beautiful player that would that can be around forever. Yeah, forty
3: eight. You should get your decal Tony Baloney
1: and put it on the guitar. <laughs>
0: Like the old guys did. I'll the, just scratch it in the, the gold, finish. No, the
1: gold decals like the, the gold decal. Yeah. I'll get to you, I'll, Tony. I'll give you eight hundred and fifty dollars for it mm. for a gold decal. <laughs> That's
0: two dollars for this $2. No <laughs> number. Not no as,
2: no. as tempting as that is, Kenny. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, it plays great and it and it it's sounds really loud sounding. too. It's, it's a, loud. It's, it's monstrously a, loud. loud for an F
2: hole guitar. Well, it's an warm. eighteen nice. inch nice. wide on yeah, the lower belly. It's a big boy. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm I've you know, I was been waiting for you know, well, we've had it we it was clamped up for over a month and uh finally got it free of that. Did and a fine
0: job. Very, very happy. So yeah. Very exciting week. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. Uh Kenny, what's going on in your music world this week? Oh well, let's see. Um uh, i
1: i was i was asked to do an actual gig i don't know if i'm gonna do it or not yet but it's an, uh, be a, a solo gig my band is still on covid break um but uh i guess the biggest music thing this week is uh i mentioned this before we before we hit record but i uh i, I, I got a, a new bass amp it's i got it actually a couple months ago but it was it's been boogered up and i just got it out of the shop it's a uh, Early 80s, 81, 82, uh, Vox V-125B. Mm. So that is a tube, 125-watt head, four EL84s, and uh, a one matching 115 cabinet with a port on the bottom. And it sounds uh, big and squishy like a good 100-watt bass amp should. And, how, uh, how do they
2: get 125 watts out of four EL84s? You got me. Oh, did I say 84 EL34? Oh, 34s. But, okay, there you go. That's yeah, me my, my Even that—that's still pushing them really hot. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, and it's—it's it's got a weird, like a five band EQ with rotary knobs, and uh, but yeah, it's it 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 just it just goes boom like it's supposed to, and so, so that's what I was talking about with. Trying it with the old four thousand five bass and stuff, nice. but yeah, it's great. So that's that's about the, that's the most exciting thing I've had happen this week, uh, music wise. I haven't, uh, and I'm, I'm just trying to get a you know my home. Uh, I, I use the word studio with finger quotes because I'm not going to actually record in it. I just kind of a space to to get writing again and stuff. Nice getting that getting that in place. So yeah, that's about it.
0: Excellent. Yes, Brandon. You mean Jared. Well, your last name's Brandon, isn't it? That counts. Brandon comma Jared. That's
2: Mr. Brandon to you. Middle name's
3: Alan. Uh, Jab. Couple of things. That's right. (laughs) That that is right. A couple of things. Uh, Work's going pretty well. I really enjoy that. Um, Always look forward to Mondays during the weekend. Um,
2: oh, I never look forward to Mondays <laughs> Really? Never Not
3: even doing what you're doing now? Nah, I
2: hate Mondays
3: I love Mondays I hate it It's when all this stuff starts to flow again at work And it's you just get into it And it gets busy and it's
0: fun but yeah. if There's nothing to do You're just like He's doing the first thing He's doing something new for the first time in a long time You're doing the same thing you've done yeah, for ages Yeah,
2: that's true what, well, I what mean, about what about this this lovely instrument that you I brought, brought into that the up studio? Last week,
0: but I did bring that Jimmy
3: Page telecaster. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. Like Dragon it's beautiful. Telly. Nice. Yeah, it's great. So I was under the impression it was made in USA. And no. I, asked, I know it's not. I but I, I was there uh, at the store and I was like, Hey, is this made in USA? And the salesman went back and he came back, and he's like, Yep. I'm like, Oh wow, for this price, yeah, I'll buy it. Good. And uh and I saw the MX on the stamped on the neck. Maybe he thought you said, "Was this sold in the USA?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not even going to bother going back because those those guys are just doing anything. They really want to sell a guitar. No, it's you know? a cool guitar. They, I mean, there's it no really doubt about is. It. And to be honest with you, in my opinion, it's the quality is, is, is good. Wow. On this particular guitar, it's as good as USA make the USA made guitar.
1: Yeah, it's a good. Those so. are good models. Are they, have they also done the Yardbirds one with the circles on it?
0: Yeah.
3: Yep. That, uh, yeah, that, the mirrors, yeah, the yeah. mirror circles. Yeah, they did that. That's a little more expensive. Ah, but uh, well, that they didn't, one, they, they didn't
0: do a really good job of hyping that one at Nam. It was all about the, the dragon, dragon. Yeah, but the, yeah. the circles right next to it, and it was like what? What? And they it, they <laughs> know, really like should have done a better story it, about going this. Used to be this,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because well, Zepp- the circle one wasn't that was Sid Barrett's guitar, yeah. right? Yep.
3: Well, maybe Fender didn't have enough money to throw it marketing
1: at uh, that, you're right. yeah, right? <laughs> well, Zeppelin sold a lot more records than the Yardbirds oh, and hell Piper at yeah. Piper, Piper, the Gates of Dawn put together, so yeah. the, you know, <laughs> that's uh, that's probably putting their money where their mouth is, where their Indeed. mouth of the money is, or something.
3: And it's nice to come home and go down to the shop and and uh, see what Zach's up to and. He's doing a good job so far um I got a I got my one of my reverend guitars out and was playing that and put that through my 73 Marshall JMC nice uh, or JMP rather and uh, and uh, was really loud. whatever it takes
2: yeah
0: yep hey just real quick what's the, what what is the p and the C uh what's the difference for those that don't know out there
2: I don't know yep. <laughs> I, I think it had to do with the license plate on Jim Marshall's car <laughs> i'm serious
0: really
3: yes
2: wow.
0: well tony would know so i'm going with him on that yeah i mean i believe it you had your I picture think, i not you, you? i have several pictures i of think you. i know what your next fan mail is going to be it's uh you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be, be a the response the truth to about all that yeah. well and and look we don't know everything everybody <laughs> certainly mm-hmm. i don't tony usually knows just about everything but uh you know Sometimes we don't know, and we're we guessing want, at it.
3: We want fan reaction. We yeah. want, what we is want people to tell us if
0: we're Tell wrong. us what you think that is, please. I'll
2: put a dollar on it had to do with his license plate on his car. I okay. want to know what's going on in your world, Todd.
0: Well, I got to spend uh, some good old fun time down with uh, Chase Gullett at his guitar shop. Um I actually brought uh, Vinny the the my new custom one that he did for me down cuz we we're going to he's wanted to shoot some pictures of it and stuff and um uh, he happened to be hosting an a an amp builder there uh who he's working uh on doing something so um or was checking out some amps and and it was just really fun cuz I got to put Vinny through like a handful of different uh, amp models and we were blasting it and it just sounded really good. And it's just it's nice to be in that environment, you know, just sitting in a in a guitar shop that's you know, stuff's being made. There's half built guitars all over the place and, and uh it was just, just really fun. All kinds of yeah, all that stuff.
3: I remember he was down for Summer Nam and he showed me what the space was currently and what he's going to do. And I'm not sure if he did it
0: yet, but Oh he, yeah, it's all did. It will really. He showed me the
3: layout and everything. I mean, yeah. he,
0: was, he was so jazzed up about it. He, so. he's, uh, he's well, it's a, good to hear. He's a dreamer who puts his dreams into action, which is, yeah. I think is, is pretty special. Hmm. Anyways, uh, we need to check something out real quick.
3: So I was down in my basement, and I got a few pedals out and threw them on a board. So you literally threw them? Uh sp- Safely set them on a board, mm-hmm. powered them up, and yeah. I had to hook them all together.
2: Ah, I think
3: I know what you <laughs> might have used for I did. that. I had I bought so many I bought so many tour gear uh, cables, tour gear design <laughs> cables in the past that I had extra ones still at home. Nice, and I could use them and hook them up any way I wanted. Because did they still work? They work perfectly because they're durable. Yes, they're under six bucks a piece. Yeah. And there's for the for the th- on average. Yeah, yeah, on average. Yeah, on average, small, on average yeah, 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 yeah. But you can get all sorts of links and 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 the cable is flat, is it not? It's very flat like a crepe. If flat as a crepe. <laughs> and the, and uh, it's, it's got but a Tony small profile, so I mean, you don't you don't have any issue with the pedals with the jacks in the
2: back. Yeah. Yeah. So just, they, they, fit all, they all together. fit. Yeah. It's awesome. I think you could safely say that with using Tour Gear Design patch cables, you could fit at least two more, possibly
0: oh, three sure. or four more, without question. Pedals yes. on your board. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Very helpful. Check out tourgeardesigns.com, and you're going to get a 10% off discount if you enter the guitar knobs. Okay in the in the, the coupon code yeah you the can, guitar knobs that's right or you can go to tour forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs and uh, you'll land there automatically uh, they have they we're so thrilled with their product and we're even more thrilled that they sponsor our four on the floor Jared let me get a little bit of this one two one two three four on the floor. Kenny Howes, what
1: is your four on the floor? So my my go-to pedal for everything is a 70s MXR microamp. And it's an early early version with no light on it. And you know why? The battery lasts longer. Mm -hmm. Ah, there you go. And I use it turned up all the way. So I know when it's on. (laughs) <laughs> and uh just use it for leads and then kick it off and then it's, i'm back to where i was are you an exclusively
0: um, a bass player no i'm a guitar player mostly okay so are you exclusively a guitar player that's what i meant to ask
1: <laughs> yeah by bass player he meant guitar well, he player threw,
0: he threw out a couple he threw out a lot of bass stuff early at us yeah, yeah no sure. i i uh I I
1: I, I I I no i'm i primarily in my own band i play guitar okay gotcha I'm also an organ player, but we'll come back to that. Mm. Um, so that's uh, MXR micro ramp. Uh, second is um, as dumb as it sounds as a Boss TU2. To yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because, you know, you got to understand, I don't have a pedal board with a power supply and all that stuff. I have battery powered uh, pedals on the floor. People forget about that. <laughs> oh, that's right. And. Um, my third one is not an actual pedal that you turn on and off, but one you could consider it an effect, and that is the uh, the late great THD Hot Plate. Mm. Um, I use Vox AC30 amps that don't have master volumes, and so the THD Hot Plate was a lifesaver for not killing everyone in the front row uh, with an AC30. Um, an attenuator. A th- that's right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a power soak um, that hooks between the amp and the uh, speakers. And it's on all the time when you use it, uh, but they don't require AC power. It just goes off the power of the amp. And a little light goes as you play it. So it goes ding, 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 and people mm. say, what is that thing sitting on your amp? And then uh, my fourth pedal, uh, which I don't get to use very often, uh, but when I do, it's there, is, again, vintage. It's an uh, Ibanez UE405 which is a rack mount with four effects in it and all analog with a big foot switch. that turns them on and off. It's got compressor, parametric EQ, chorus, and, uh, analog delay. Mm. So, um, uh, I've been through a couple, I've been through a couple of these. I got one in high school when they were a hundred (laughs) dollars and, uh, but I love them so much that I've got a couple more now. And, um, and like I said, that's th- those four sounds. You know, it's about all I need. I don't even use reverb. Um,
0: so, uh, but yeah, that's my so that's my four on the floor. Fantastic! Thanks for sharing. Of course, thank you. Very good, very good. Uh, all right, now what you all have been waiting for, and certainly Jared and I have been waiting for. We are going to do. We're going to one oh one the heck out of Rickenbacker guitar. And actually one of my one of the first questions I was going to have was is it Rickenbacker or Rickenbacker? And it's I think I, we answered it, that right away. Unless you're in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Ah. No, well, yeah, the thing is it's not German.
1: There it's a Swiss name. Oh. Uh, which I know is, could, to some people is splitting hairs, but it's true Adolf Ricken, uh, Rickenbacker uh like his cousin Eddie Rickenbacker, the famous World War One flying ace. From Columbus, uh, Ohio, area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got a Rickenbacker airport there, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, like his cousin Eddie, he immigrated to the States in the uh, either the 20s or the, He's I'm going to get my information off, but the one thing that is true is that uh, there was already anti-Nazi sentiment going on and he didn't want to be thought of as German, so he anglicized his name to Rickenbacker.
2: Yes, because it was, originally um, was CH, right? and then they, it, it they that's correct and
1: that's right and uh, if you don't believe me you can call the company in santa ana and hear the voice on the phone say thank you for calling rickenbacker um, and you can also look on the website where they actually have a thing that says how do you pronounce the name of the
0: company <laughs> 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 um, very clever
1: yes indeed and uh, it, it's it's um, yeah it's 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 a, it's a common a common thing to say Bacher i think uh, you know uh, you know, a lot a lot of rock stars i've met say that you know a lot some of some of them uh some of them uh, say it the right way as you know john hall the owner of the company once said it doesn't matter how you say it as long as you spell it right on the check
0: <laughs> well done well done uh one of the things that i often wonder about this guitar and from here on out we'll just reference it as the rick yeah Fair enough. Just, Fair enough. Just, just it's an hour long show, folks. Let's well. call it the Acker. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, what, what hole do you think? Careful uh, in the in the guitar market, did and or does the Rick Phil? That's an interesting question, huh. Tony. You, you
1: sound like you were about. You well, could hear you breathing He's, a, breathing just, there. he's just trying to get I'm that just, pork chop I'm back up.
2: <laughs> 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 mm. um, I don't know that they were looking to fill a specific hole. I think uh, they made a guitar. I mean, of course, you know they started off as as kind of a lap steel company. Um, invented, you know, the, you know. I guess technically, the, the first. Uh, 20s, 30s? Uh, well, 19, 1931.
1: 31 invented, was the frying pan? Yes, it's the, it's the, it, they, they invented, uh, again, as John has been known to say, uh, with some qualification, they invented the electric guitar. And that is that George Beecham invented the pickup. And it was first put on the frying pan, the first frying pan guitar, which is made out of wood, is made of maple. Um, all the production models are made out of uh, metal. Hmm. Uh, Adolf Rickenbacker's background is in uh metalworking i believe and um and so that's uh, that's what they did with it so but yeah tony's right that's what they did for the better part of the first uh 15 years of the company yeah
2: and then you leap into the probably late 50s i guess is when they really started going you know into electric spanish guitars um and i think they just developed Kind of, you know, between the pickups that they used and the construction methods and things, that became the Rickenbacker sound. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Would you say that's true, Kenny?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the, you know, the, the, um, the, the, it really took a corner or turned a corner after, uh, Adolf sold the company, uh, to, to Francis Hall in the 50s. And I'm going to get the year wrong, but I want to say, you know, mid 50s. And, uh, and it's really the, the, what we know of the classic Rick shapes is uh, the the handiwork of Roger Rosmeisel, Yeah. who um, a lot of people know because of the, because of his Rick designs. And when he left, he when he left Rick, he went to uh, Fender and made some designs that were less popular. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I, I think that Martin Kelly's new book is going to talk quite a bit mm-hmm. about the yeah, Mr. Rosmeisel and his contributions but uh, but yeah all the classic shapes that we all know of of uh of Rick um were his designs and uh you know, the, before that, before Rogers' designs really took hold, all the classic 300 series shapes and the 4000 series basses and stuff, uh, they were really trying to find their way. They have all those tulip shaped guitars with the horns pointing outwards mm-hmm. and, and a, bu- a bunch of funky stuff. They're using the horseshoe pickups on guitars, um, which uh, was fine if you're playing a pedal steel, but not, or, or a lap steel, but uh, a little more awkward. Uh, and you can't remove it because it's part of the structure of the pickup. So yeah. it's so it's and, and like I said, I'm giving I'm going a Cliff Notes version here because um, somebody like Martin's research and Richard Smith before him and Tony Bacon and so on, um, they're, they 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 go into the 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 finer points. But uh, but yeah, so the, the 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 shapes that we all know uh, came around in the late fifties uh, because of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they were, yeah, they were, they were kind of just another Southern California guitar company. And you had, and again, I'm going to get my history wrong, but you had Fender going on. You had Moe's right. You had, uh, Rick, you had, uh, other stuff happening on the West coast. And, um, we all know what happened is the Ed Sullivan show in February Mm of 64, um, which, uh, which helped. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah.
3: We'll, we'll, get, think, we'll get
2: to that in a you second. You think that that had anything to do with the success
0: of the company? <laughs> kind of, kind of big. Um, <laughs> probably, I'd say. <laughs> what, what do you think uh, really draws people to the to the rig uh, today?
1: What I think draws them to it is you know, the, well, the quick the quick answer, which is not complete, is uh, is nostalgia or you know a retro-y vibe. Um, and it's the, but, but really they're, they're just fabulous instruments, uh, across the board is, you know, they're, they're more versatile than pe- I think people think that you have to have a fill in the blank, this for that sound, uh, you know, but that's like saying Mike Stern can't use a Telecaster to play jazz. it's, <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, um, but yeah i mean you know billy joe armstrong uses a rick so you can't say the you know you can't say that you, it's not good for heavy rock um you, you, i think i think some of the ricks uh later period solid body instruments would be would be great for that and also you know the obvious example of uh first Chris Squire and then Lemmy of what you can do with the Rick bass as far as just overdriving it and getting a, a you know such a fierce mm-hmm. thunderous sound. Um yeah the basses is, is just a whole nother topic and yes, it's we're going to hit that. Yeah.
2: I mean in my in my opinion I I I, I mean that shape of a you know bass, we call it the 330. Mm-hmm. The uh that to me was like the coolest And we're going to get in the numbers too. Yeah, the coolest guitar that I ever saw, and I, I think the first time I saw one was George Harrison playing the twelve-string, which was a three hundred and sixty, but it had the sharper pointed horns yeah. uh, mm-hmm. before they rounded things off. And to me, that was just like, oh my god, that that looks that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love you know my Gibsons and Fenders and things, but when it comes to Rick and I I just see one and I you know the,
0: the I start drool. to drool. Yeah. It's like Pavlov's <laughs> dog. Very cool, yep. very cool. Um, now, people seem to, I, at least I. this is my impression, I think that people seem to love them or, not, hate is a strong word, I think basically just Misunderstand. not like them <laughs> for whatever reason. Do you, do you think that that is the case? I, th- I, th- I agree, yeah, I agree with that.
2: I think they can be, um, for a lot of people, difficult to play. I mean, even though the action is super low, uh, they tend to be more useful, I think, if you have smaller hands. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've got big meat hooks, and I play just fine. So yep. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's perfectly fine.
1: I'm I'm six foot two, and i and I love the standard nut width on a rick, which is small. <laughs> uh, you can do tricks. You can do you can play an a chord with one finger.
0: Yes. you know you can you can do all kinds of crazy. Your middle stuff. finger.
2: That's that's the one to play with. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, interesting. Uh, now. Uh, cause yeah, I, for the longest time, I just am like, bleh, I don't, I didn't like them. I have grown to appreciate them. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. own one. I, I think I probably will at some point in time, maybe yeah. sooner than later.
2: Uh, um, I'll you put know. you in my will. Hey, thanks.
0: Sound? I knew you would. <laughs> That's all I had to say. Uh, what do you think are the, you know, speaking of the, um, why people, you know, love him or hate him as, as two guys who do love them, what are the mm-hmm. downsides of a Rick?
2: I don't know that there is a downside. I mean, the construction is incredibly good. Um, I don't think I've ever, unless somebody purposely, you know, Pete Townsend won, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a headstock break. Have you, Kenny? Uh,
1: I have uh, not, but, but it, was, it was direct abuse or, you know, neglect of something. You know, whoops, it fell over. Um, it was not, uh, but it's, I've never seen one that, uh That it just kind of happened. Yeah, I uh, mean,
2: I, I think that you know th- they look like fragile guitars, though.
1: Well, there there is a thing. I mean, Pete Townsend went on record saying that, and that's part of why he was able to break the early one so easily because there is a difference in build. No, I won't say build quality, but there is a difference in construction yeah. between, say, uh, I mean, I yeah. have a. 330 from 1967 and then i have a couple from the late 80s and the ones in the late 80s do feel more substantial they made lots of changes um i think i don't know this to be a fact but it's nothing to prove me wrong that the reason they went to a two octave neck on the guitars and the the neck extends into the fingerboard extends into the body a, a, a a half an inch or a quarter inch, whatever it is, is uh, to strengthen the uh, the neck joint mm. because uh, because yeah, old ones, they do feel a little bit like if you pushed it just enough that you could break the neck off with your bare hand. Um, so the, the old ones do feel like it, but, but again, Pete Townsend, who's got more, more of a way with words than I do, said that they felt like violins. Mm. You know, that they were like, you know, there's still a thing of beauty and you can still hit them hard. You can still strum them hard. You can still get, you know, the, the you can still play anyway, anyhow, anywhere on one, but um but that they are a little bit delicate. Um but but the, that has definitely changed since then. You know, mm-hmm. probably starting in the mid seventies, early to mid seventies, their guitars um definitely have some more some more oomph.
0: Now I gig a lot uh, around, you know, just like a, a normal, I guess, band. You could say it's not like, you know, semi-national. It's not national or anything like that. But um, obviously, I love music. I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to a lot of gigs. For as much as people recognize and eat and potentially love these guitars, I have very rarely ever seen one on stage in a non-professional hand why do you think that is
1: i think that there's um you know i've been working music retail a long time and i think that uh and, and no offense to anyone out there who uh who is of means but i think that uh the, the because they don't make instruments overseas uh and don't have you know uh, a fancy Jimmy page model that's made in Mexico that is under, <laughs> under a thousand dollars, uh, because they don't offer that, uh, that sort of thing that they wind up in the hands of, of collectors and folks who, who, uh, are strictly amateurs and and don't play the local, the local mm-hmm. bars. Oh. Um, and so that, that, that could be, that could be why, um, once in a while you see, you see someone that like, well, like myself and I've, I've done, just as much sort of local band cover gigs as I have doing my own, my own music and national touring and so so on. But uh, so I'm, I'm a bit of an exception, but, uh, but yeah, you see, you see him once in a while, you see, you see a well-worn Rick, but yeah, there are, there are people that, that, uh, that buy him to hang on the wall.
2: And let's face it, there's just not as many of them out there as there are Gibson's and Fenders and you know all of the others. I mean, yeah, so in I'm terms not even of sheer talking about of production
0: like vintage ones. I'm ta- you know, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, there's, I mean, and, and I guess in a lot of people's eyes, it's kind of a one-trick pony. But I mean, it uh, Ricks to me have a, a very unique sound, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it's easily replicated uh, by any other guitar.
0: Hmm. That's, yeah i agree with that do you think that's due to the construction or just the electronics or both or both. what
1: both well the, the 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 electronics uh once you get into the the the, the knobs and switches no we're gonna are, are, are <laughs> well they're they're i mean all that stuff is is fairly standard their their pickups are are definitely um unique especially what they call the uh the toaster pickup, which is the chrome one with the two black lines going across the top, looks like it's the top of a toaster. Um, they're wound, they're wound, uh, lightly. Uh, but uh, you know, there's also, there's also fenders from the fifties that are wound to, to 5k yeah. resistance and, uh, the Ricks at seven and a half K is, is not that, that different from that, but, um, but yeah, they've got a, they've got a sparkle that, uh, that is, uh, is hard to beat. Mm. And they've um, always,
2: you know, the, a, a prim, a predominantly have used maple and walnut, which are two you know, very bright woods when you put them in a guitar. Mm-hmm. They're also kind of heavy, which is, you know, on the on the semi-hollow versions like the, you know, the big body 330s and such. That helps relieve some of the weight, but mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean I think that the the wood, the type of construction, the pickups um, mm-hmm. I think that that all adds to what what comes out. Mm-hmm. It's a very yeah, it, unique sound. Even the you know it, it might boil down to the you know to the lacquered uh, uh, fretboard. That, that you know sticks.
1: they just they just discontinued that.
2: No, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, they
1: just discontinued it, except on vintage reissues. Uh, vintage issues will still have that feature, but they on the standard models, I think, all the way across the board. I know they started on the basses, and I think now they're doing it on the guitars where they're leaving the fingerboard unlacquered.
2: Wow, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, That's and I,
2: I have a vintage
1: I have a vintage Rick that I uh, refretted a few years ago, and I left the fingerboard unlacquered because I had to I had to plane the fretboard now, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just going to be too much trouble to to match it up uh, to match up the the clear coat, and so I just left it, and uh, it's fine. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I played uh, one nice thing about getting to work there is I got to play some, for lack of a better word, celebrity guitars. And, uh, you know, the main 360 Jekyll that Peter Buck from R.E.M. uses and has used since 1980 or whenever he bought it um, was refretted with jumbo frets and has an unlacquered fingerboard and it feels amazing and he uses 13 gauge strings oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it feels like you're playing an acoustic Stevie Ray Vaughan um, wouldn't even want to play that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and well you know peter's style is not one where he bends a lot at least not on that instrument but uh but yeah his instant rem when he plugged it in and he also had some other stuff he had a he had a um an alembic i think it was an alembic made uh uh, br- uh bridge floating bridge uh, which looked just like a Rick bridge, but it was made of brass, and uh, and a brass nut. Huh. So it's you know, that was a that was an interesting guitar. That's the one that got stolen in 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 uh, Scandinavia someplace, and they got it oh, back. Was, that, like was 10, that the
2: mud flap mud flap sticker one?
1: Yeah, with the mud flap Tammy sticker on yeah. it. I, yeah. I, I uh, that's that's the guitar I played, and is it, it was it was nice because I. I, I was asked to hold on to that guitar for a couple of days. And so, you know, I took it home and took a bunch of pictures of it and went, ah, I've got Peter's guitar and then shipped <laughs> it to him. And uh, and uh, so when that guitar was stolen at a backstage at an REM show, uh, I sent all my pictures over to uh, to their equipment manager and said, uh, here, if this helps with identifying it or whatever. And uh, whoever stole it, asked for a ransom and, you know, got it back. Uh, they got the guitar back like 10 days later or something. Hmm. And uh, so that, but that was, that was, that was fun. But yeah, the ta- where, where were we going with that? Oh, finger or the lacquer on the fingerboards. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing about it. And they've also, you know, the most of the guitars have a, have a, the r-shaped trapeze tailpiece where the strings extend way back so you don't have a great break angle behind the the Mm -hmm. bridge like you do on say a stratocaster yeah
3: um
1: or uh you know a lot of guitars they don't have a stop tail like a uh like most gibsons um i'll tell you one thing you're asking what's a downside the the only and it's this is a downside of any hollow body guitar is that you're never going to sound like mick ronson uh you know you're never going to have that that gibsony sweat you know that that super 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 martially driven sound um with the same intensity but that's okay because if you want that sound bad enough you go get a less <laughs> ball
0: <laughs>
1: yeah but the, but you no know, that's one of the things that drove that, attra- that attracted and it uh, continues to attract me to ricks is that uh i'm the guy that has to be different why why do i want to uh to to sound like everybody else and uh and i guess there are folks that want they either want to sound like everybody else or they, they they're they're afraid they're not going to get a gig but i'm not i'm not a studio musician i don't have anyone saying i want you to sound like x um so uh yeah. so, so I'm, I'm not as concerned with that
0: well you brought up uh, i mean we're kind of heading down the path of some of the particulars and i think that is where things do get interesting especially aside from the shape and the sound of of the uh, the rick and so I've got a we've got a couple lightning questions um, mm-hmm. regarding the unique aspects of the Rick and Becker guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, guitar or bass? Well, we'll hit them both. How okay. about that?
2: All right.
0: Because yeah, the bass is obviously a huge portion of that. Right now, we've been touching on the guitar um, at a higher level. Guitar, mm-hmm. as in you know the whole span. Uh, for the pickups, we started to get into the toaster pickups. Um, and then there's the high gain. Can Tony, mm-hmm. you want to, Tony and or Jared, you want to jump in on that?
3: Yeah. I think Tony actually knows a little more about the pickups than I do. I mean, I've repaired them in the past, the old original ones.
0: Yeah, they I mean they're the,
3: the quarter inch uh,
2: cylinder, quarter inch Alnico magnet, uh, yeah, magnets. magnets. Yeah. And uh, so the toasters underneath the the toaster stripes and the metal cover, you'll have six. Uh, quarter inch El Elnico magnets, with roughly the, with the, glued up into the plastic. Yeah, pretty much. And mm-hmm. um, and one of the interesting things, and, and Curtis Novak told me about this, is that the um, neck pickups, especially in the late 50s, early 60s, had shorter magnets than, and the bridge pickups had longer magnets. So the mat, pet magnets would stick down below the bottom of the coils, which raises the magnetic field for the for the bridge pickup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The high gains, on the other hand, I think were in response to, you know, the changing times of, you know, people wanting more output and things like that. So they're full ceramic uh, magnet uh, versions.
1: Actually, a rubberized magnet. Rubberized yeah. magnet. Okay. It's, it's like a particle board of magnets, as I understand it, is that they, you know, a bunch of pieces of magnet, Melded with some form of rubber.
3: Yeah.
1: Again, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna get my technical stuff wrong, but that's that's what the the high gains are made of.
2: Very cost effective. So those. I mean, when you look at them, you know. So the the toasters were relatively low output, single coil. The high gains are almost double. I guess if you if you if you measure 12K. them out. Twelve um, yeah, k. And so they're, So they're a little yeah. little little louder, probably because of the output, a little bit darker. Um, and then, of course, you know, we won't even get into, they, they also made a humbucker version, and then there are some other oddball pickups. But I, I think primarily what you'll see uh, on both guitars and basses are, you know, in the neck position, at least on a bass, you either have a toaster or a high gain. The bridge position, uh, yeah, they've used several versions, and one of was the horseshoe, which was a direct carryover from the lap steel days. Um And then they've kind of modified that, and they made the mount look similar to uh like the horseshoe magnet uh, but the uh, using the the high gain pickups so mm-hmm. so I mean, in terms of that, I don't know that's just kind of a, a real basic primer. Kenny, do you have anything to add to that?
1: well, uh it, it sounds like again it sounds like we're we're heading down this rabbit hole so I can go there so um a lot of a lot of uh people, if I put a rick in their hands. Uh, the first thing they do with the guitars is go. Uh, the first thing they do is say, what is this little tiny knob do?" <laughs> so, um, to 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 give you a quick overview, most Rick guitars, solid body or hollow body, have a uh, volume and tone for each pickup and a three way switch. There is an additional smaller, uh, an additional pot with a smaller knob on it um, that is called the blend knob. What the blend knob uh, actually is is a secondary volume control for the neck pickup. And the what the, the way it works is, if you've got the pickup selector on the bridge pickup, it's full-on bridge pickup all the time. You put it in the middle position, and you can blend the neck pickup in and out with the full-on bridge position. And then, in when you put it on the the, pick, the toggle switch on the neck pickup, again it acts as a as a secondary volume control that doesn't that doesn't short out. It does not close all the way, and um, and that is so you can have sort of a low mid. I won't call it a sweep because it's not an EQ, but it's a volume on that neck pickup, and and uh, it's it's an interesting way to get sort of a softer rhythm sound that you can switch between the bright sound of the bridge pickup hmm. and where this comes into play with Ricco sound. Are we ready to talk about Ricco sound? Let's
2: talk Ricco sound. All right. <laughs> Ricco
1: sound. So Ricco sound was developed contrary to what Chris Squire thinks, because he was mistaken and thought that he invented it, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he did not. It, was, it is around, uh, it's starting on Rick's made in the fifties during the late fifties craze of st- stereo mm. and uh we all know about various experiments with stereo in electric guitars from that time frame um and rickenbacker's contribution to that is the is Rico sound which is a second jack on your guitar that if you plug in the standard jack your guitar op- operates like normal if you plug into Rico sound you have to use a a uh Stereo quarter inch going into it, which would then split off to two different signals. So you, if you will, a left and a right. Um, if you didn't have such a cable, Rick offered an accessory for many years that was a splitter box. It did. There was a passive splitter box. It did the same thing. So you'd run Rico Sound out of the special jack. Into this little box, which had two quarter-inch jacks on it, and then out of those into either two channels of the same amp or or preferably two different amps spread across the room from each other. Now each pickup, if it's a two-pickup guitar, now each pickup has its own amp. Wow. And you can switch between them on the guitar. And um, That's cool. <laughs> it is cool. And so now the little blend knob still has the same function, but you can kind of turn one of your amps up and down from the guitar that you could with your volume knob as well, but it's it's sort of like describing color. It's it's a difficult thing to to demonstrate. I mean, I have a I have a guitar sitting here, but of course we're not in stereo, so uh, I can't really demonstrate it. But it's 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 uh, it's an interesting way to go. And so you can do add, some stage tricks with that. Yeah, Definitely. you can do some stage tricks. I was using one uh, a guitar with Rico Sound once. I did a a gig years ago, just sort of a spontaneous gig with me and a drummer, white stripes style. And uh, I had a couple kids after the show come up to me and ask me what pedals I was using. And that particular night, I wasn't using any at all. (laughs) Um, Nice. And I said, oh, it's just the guitar split into two amps. And they were like, what? Because, yeah, I'd use the switch on the guitar to go back and forth from one amp to the other. Very Um, cool. Now, add on top of this... (laughs) <laughs> a weird feature about Ricks that a lot of people didn't know about for a long time. Um, and that is that they use a trouble bleed cap on the traditional 50, 60, 70s, uh, Ricks. That is a 47,000 microfarad cap wired coming out, wired from the treble pickup into the circuit. Um, did I say that right? 0.0047. Yeah, it's, it's uh, 7,000.
2: Uh, is it right. picofarads or something like that? Or
1: I, It might be picofarads, yeah. And uh, as opposed to a 0.047, which is a standard one you'd use for a tone yeah. pot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a 0.0047, and this is a treble bleed. And so the treble pickup, the bridge pickup on most Ricks, including the basses, is super spiky and bright. But it cuts. It's it's typically cuts the volume by about a fourth. Hmm. So, what a lot of people, when a lot of people figured this out, they would just go in and put a shunt, or they would just cut the thing out and change, replace it with a wire. Um, then, uh, while I was working there, which was hmm. I was there from 2003 to 2010, and during that time, somebody discovered that. Um, they like the four thousand ones from the seventies that had this feature, but they also like the four thousand threes of current day, which bypass this. So now there's a switch. Mm. So now there's a push-pull push switch pull switch on, on, on. Yeah, so you can uh, you can switch between the two sounds, and I've I've rigged that into a couple of my guitars. <laughs> I have a twelve string sitting here in front of me that I it, it's turned off right now, but I uh, I have the uh, the push pull on there that, that brings the the treble. The treble uh, bleed cap in and out. Nice.
2: So since we, we, we're, we're talking about you know, basses at this point, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little about, um, I mean, the original uh, 4000 bass that came out in the late 50s only had a bridge pickup. <laughs> That's right. And which seems kind of unusual or counterintuitive to what a bass player generally likes to hear, which is kind of that thumpy neck position.
1: Mm. Yes, but think about a Fender Precision Bass. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's yeah. in the middle. Nice there. one, Tony. Well, like I said, <laughs> you know, most people just like to use the bridge position.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's all kinds of people playing like those. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, even if I, 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 I'm trying to picture a Fender jazz bass in my head because it's got a, it's got pickups pretty far back on yeah. the body as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I had a, I had a Rick bass that I had wired up with just one pickup for a period, and it was, uh, it was still pretty pretty thumpy it's it's not as it's not as boomy as the traditional rick neck pickup on a bass but mm-hmm. yeah it's
0: it's it's pretty good well we can i want to make sure that we i got a bunch more stuff for the guitar i want to save the bass section okay, okay. that's we, fine. We, yeah sure so here's a couple more questions for um for the guitar um the we, we were talking about the lacquered neck mm-hmm. um it's one of the few I think that are kind of really known for that. Well,
2: uh, w- rosewood wise, yeah. <laughs> other than you know, Fender maple necks.
0: Yeah, but even the Fender maple necks don't seem as lacquery as <laughs> like <laughs> the ones, Uh You know, we've we've <laughs> we've looked at a couple of years, Tony. And I was I was like, wow, it's. I mean, it's like it's it's on there pretty. It's good. on there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and what the how does that affect the sound?
1: I don't know if it affects the sound so much as the feel. What do you think, Tony?
2: I think it's feel. Okay. I mean, that that to me has always been the difference. And I mean, I think if isn't it a lot more work to do that? Or like, I mean, I think it's a lot more work because after you coat the frets and the fretboard, you have to scrape back, right? Know, and the, then you the got to polish it all the, up
0: and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: probably. Uh, more I wonder work. what
0: the original purpose of that might have been. They like I don't shiny, know shiny wood, shiny and and to uh, to protect it on some level.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: maybe so. Or they easier didn't have tape, to clean tape clean back the grind yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
1: it, it is easier to clean the the grime. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier. You take the, the strings grind. off and, and guitar polish the on the fingerboard just like the rest of the guitar. Mm. It's great.
0: Well, right, then I'm speaking sure. of the uh, the fingerboard, um, was uh, the Rick the first ones to use the shark fin style inlay? Do you think?
1: Mm-hmm. It predates it predates uh, Grover Jackson's examples by 20 years so or exactly. more so yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it probably probably was and and uh, they used to they used to extend in the 50s when they first introduced it the the, the triangle extended all the way to the edges of the fingerboard uh, and it was only on bound necks it didn't you didn't do it on uh, they didn't show it on on uh, on unbound next Mm. and then uh i don't know maybe they had some complaints at some point about the uh that the maybe they had some of the the inlays fell out or something i don't know why they did it but for many years they changed to the kind that uh, does not quite extend all the way to the edges um that it went uh you know what i'm talking about i suppose where it did you know the yeah. triangle does not extend all the way to the a,
2: a true inlay as a, with a, with a full wood border around it mm-hmm.
1: right and they were poured in they were poured in with some sort of really yeah yeah now i believe that they 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 are in are cut on a laser yeah. machine and, and laid in and the ones in the 60s the 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 cherished uh crushed pearl inlays was uh was um I believe that was poured in as well and then scraped off. Was um, that,
2: wasn't that fish eyes or something or fish? What? <laughs> there was some, some, I seem to remember there was like, or scales or I, I can believe fish scales. It does have something to, I'm not making
1: this up. It does. It did have something to do with Japan. Like it was uh, the, 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 like, the, like carp the scales, stuff was, those are huge. Was made. It was, it was made in it was imported somehow. And I, I don't know, uh, I, I can't, I can't remember. I know you can get some, some uh, material now that is a very close match to that, but you couldn't for a long time. Wow. Um, that's and, weird. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful look. And now, like I said, now because they're using a stronger material that is a, is an actual thing that's cut out on a, on a, on a laser machine. They, uh, now they're inlaid again and go all the way to the edges of the fingerboard. That was also reintroduced mm-hmm. on when I was working there
0: yeah interesting yeah. uh how about the uh we we talked briefly about the wood but may, i think that that is a big deal with this with these guitars um mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. how about the wood just hit that <coughs> maple walnut rosewood maple walnut rosewood is it what's in what order where we're well, we talking about
2: body and neck where you are usually laminated uh or, or the the necks are usually laminated walnut and maple the mm-hmm. bodies generally are um uh, are made from from maple, okay, and the semi hollows are scooped out from the back, and a, a piece is placed uh, behind it, kind of like the uh, well. That's what Ross Meisel did, you know, at Fender with uh, with the Fender uh, telly Thin Lines. Mm-hmm. Same deal. They're scooped out and glued uh, a flat piece glued scooped on the back. Right out. Scoop it out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One of the interesting things I think that uh, that people often overlook is I think Rickenbacker and uh, was one of the early uh, neck-through body uh, adopters, mm. especially on their solid-body instruments with uh, with between the bases and some of the the um, you know like the 400 series models. Mm.
1: Yeah, the 600s, the 610s, 620, 660 that they make now. Uh, those are
0: all neck-throughs. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and um, you're talking about Tony. You have mentioned before uh, the F holes. Uh, in in the ricks
2: right right so the what we typically would say you know the the slash f hole right um, there was also a series
0: and that's that's basically like a a very slim a slender curved triangle yeah. kind of thing like a it looks sl- like a like a crescendo mark in music yeah uh, like yeah or a
2: comma or you know some people have described it that way yeah but there was a, a period of time in the sixties um, and they're known as Rose Morris exports that they used a standard F hole, hmm. uh, so you know what we would typically see on an F hole instrument, mm-hmm. and I think that was just the spec that uh, Rose Morris said, wasn't that right, Kenny?
1: That's correct. Uh, they were, you know, the English being still being very traditional in their, you know, our, our. our uh, you know, we feel our customers. They, they, Rose Morris, if, if, if anyone who might not know, is was a big importer of of instruments uh, from America and probably from all parts of the world to England. And they, uh, and yeah, they requested that all the ones that came in had the f holes, which is why all those guitars you see Pete Townsend uh, using from that period all have violin f holes. Hmm. Okay. And uh, now the F hole was not exclusive to those, but that's that's primarily where you see those, and th- that and the reissues of of those instruments. Um, the strangest one you'd see it you'd see the F hole one all the time. That wasn't necessarily an export model. Is the uh, the three tens and three twenties oh, similar yeah. to what John, what John Lennon would use? And John Lennon's instrument, his first one, was actually weird because it did not have an F hole because a lot of those did. Um, and then for some reason, the F-hole stayed on it, which you'd think that, you know, all through the, like the 70s and stuff, which you'd think it wouldn't. I like Again, there's so many, you know, the the the, the one thing I can be certain about with Rickenbacker stuff is that, it, is that there's always uncertainty. You know, just because 90% of the guitarists, are this doesn't mean that there's not a few examples of that um, so there's always going to be exceptions we're speaking in in broad terms about all these things mm-hmm. um, but yeah there are always um, I don't know that they have a lot of Friday afternoon specials you know but they you, you know what, is what I that? mean Oh, you never heard that term? It's That's a, that's a joke for like something was in it. The, the guys are in a hurry to go home on Friday afternoon and they make one sloppy ah. um, it's, uh, because they want to go home. I don't think they have a lot of those, but once in a while you see something that's totally legit, totally stocks from top to bottom, and it's got the wrong tailpiece on it. It just mm-hmm. happens. It just happens sometimes. Interesting. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, if someone told me I've got a Rick that's got this feature and that feature and it didn't sound right, I'd want to look at it before going, well, you don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned uh, we've dropped a lot of numbers, a lot of math going on in the in the, <laughs> the Rickenbacker world. Uh, can that, you yeah. explain, uh, either you or Tony, um, want to explain the the numbering system as because it's a little confusing for those who don't know all about it. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, I guess it is a little confusing. I mean, uh, what would you I, say? I I got the basics
1: of it, which is there's 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 a series starts with one number and then it's either so for example a three hundred series. As an example, or a something thousand series. The thousands are all the bases, and the hundreds are all the guitars. Okay. Uh The four hundred series. Um, just going over the this in my head because I didn't prep guitars. Uh, We're in the guitar the, land, the four, right? The four hundred series are all solid body guitars. Okay. The six hundred series are all solid body guitars. They're very they, they're mo- with a few exceptions. They're similar, but. Uh, the 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 classic example of the 600 series is the 12 string that Tom Petty's holding on the damn the torpedoes album uh that's the classic that that, that I don't want to get into what that specific guitar was because it's a whole different uh, we could have a whole podcast about just oh, yeah. that we are going to
0: touch on that just briefly
1: yeah so the six 600 series are neck through solid body guitars with a small body with what they call the cresting wave which is the classic Hooky, Rick, uh, Horn on the top. Um, the 300 series are hollow bodies, and they include. Basically, as the numbers go up, it's a more deluxe model. So a 330 is is sort of your baseline of that shape where a 370-12 is going to be a few hundred dollars more on the price list and have a lot more deluxe features um, and things like the Ricca Sound Stereo. Um, still within the 300 series are guitars like the 320, which is the the 325 of a broader version was the John Lennon guitar. Uh, the 310, which is a plain Jane two pickup version of the John Lennon guitar and so on. And then in the bass, in Baseland, there were something, you know, Blah-de-blah, blah, 1000s So the two thousand series was a bu- was a budget line, uh, base line. Through the three thousand series was a, a bolt on neck basis that were around in the seventies. The four thousand series everybody knows uh, is the the famous. Uh, where ninety percent of them are neck through body, uh, and. Um, there's a few with set next, but most of the four thousand one, four thousand three, the very limited four thousand two, those are all you know the bases. The four thousand five is a hollow body base, so that's kind of a, a weird anomaly in the numbering scheme. But uh, but yeah, they don't really go up higher than that in number. There is a five thousand series, which was a solid body electric mandolin. Um that's basically it there uh there was a there was a guitar called a model 1000 and it was a tiny tulip shape student guitar uh and there's a nine hundred and nine fifty and 950 that were very similar shape to that too so but, but most of the time with Rick, you're going to be talking about the 300 series 600 series and the 4000 series bases. yeah and they just didn't you know it's not like fender where you have a Excalibur and all these names for him, you know, or the Thunderbird, you know. There's no, there's no, uh, there's a few exceptions. I think John Hall wanted to get into that at one point and started giving stuff names, but uh, everybody kind of went back to hey, is that a <laughs> is that a 2030 base or you know or whatever.
2: So the, um, the only thing I would add to that is um, depending on the number of pickups. So for instance, a 330 has two pickups. A 340 has three pickups. That's a 360 right. has two, a 370 has three. And then usually the five on the end indicates a, a tremolo of some sort.
0: Hmm. This is, it's a lot of math, but it is a very good understanding. Now I honestly do have a pretty clear understanding. Um, as dumb as I am, of where, because those numbers get thrown around all over the place. I'm like, yeah, uh, I mean, what? When you, with
2: the, as Kenny said, you know, in 300 most, most people guitars. are going to be talking about a 330 or a 360. Yeah. And when they're talking basses, they're talking about a 4001 or a 4003, because that's mostly what's out there. Yeah. And you know, when
1: you're in, in guitar land still, uh, if it's a 12 string model of any of those, it's just slash 12. Slash four, so, yeah. a, so a 330. Twelve string is called a three thirty slash twelve. There's old nomenclature that called them three thirty slash six, but that just gets confusing. So, we you know, but most of the time people don't say the slash six because they only use that in one catalog or something like that. Um, sometimes I, I look at this stuff daily on eBay, and people, you know, I've got a two thousand two three thirty slash
0: <laughs> six. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you don't. You've got a three thirty.
0: <laughs> no, while we're talking about the guitars, uh, a, a modern day rick like that that's been produced in the last couple of years or something like that mm-hmm. goes for typically
1: uh they, well what are, they, what
2: are they listing out now around seventeen,
1: eighteen. yeah that's where they're kind of starting street price at seventeen, eighteen, um which blows my mind because that's up you know 33 percent of what they were when i was there um i actually haven't kept a track i i've been kind of Kicking tires to get an additional twelve string so that I can have kind of a daily driver, so I don't mm-hmm. mess any of my nice ones up. And I'm per, I'm I'm perplexed at how they're selling for so much. But then again, it's 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 as you know, you guys I'm sure discuss on your podcast all the time. It's not so much uh, what they're going for is what people are asking.
2: Right, right. And and I think, and I think a lot of people have really kind of you know, if you're looking for a twelve string, for instance, a lot of people have have really zoned in on the. Uh, The, uh, what is it called? A 1994, 1997, the one that has the standard F hole, but the wider uh, nut width. That's correct. Yeah,
1: so, uh, yeah, again, 1993
2: plus, because that's correct.
1: pickups, yeah. So the reason that you have all these guitars that have uh, 1990. X, you know whatever uh name is that the rose Morris as we were talking about before not only said we'd like our guitars to have violin effles and fire glow finishes and be very traditional thank you very much but we'd also going to give them our own modeling or their own model numbers yeah so what what you'd see in the states it's a you know a, a, a 330 is now a 1997. <laughs> and so that's that level of detail. I don't want to get into because I don't want to
0: confuse sure. your listeners
2: <laughs> or our host.
0: No, <laughs> no. A vintage one, Mike, uh, well, wh- what is this? That's, what sort that's of-
2: the thing. I, I think the vintage market for Rickenbackers, I think they're greatly undervalued. Okay. I mean, uh, but what is
0: the year? Okay. So like we know that there are a couple years of like a Les Paul. There's like Those are the ones that people tend to go for, for whatever reason. We won't get into that. Uh, is there a specific uh, years or or models that are the most highly sought after by your average collector?
1: Yeah, well, the the sixties is the easy answer, but the thing is, Rick doesn't have a CBS period. They don't have a. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong. What's the the, 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 the yeah Norlin period? They don't have any of that. They've they've been Nashville and Bozeman, if you will. <laughs> uh forever they've, they've they've been made in the same if not in the same building they were made on the same street in Santa Ana, California since the late 50s um and I'm not kidding the 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 the, the, the factory where I worked is uh, down the street and around the corner from where the factory and offices were uh back then so um and and um there there's there's periods that are A little bit less desirable, but it's a again, it's a feel thing. If you, you know, I, I have uh, I have right in front of me here a 1981 370 12 string, and it feels pretty different than, but even the even these things are starting to go for even you know, late 80s or early 80s guitars, late 70s guitars from Rick are people are starting to ask. North of three and four grand form, which blows my mind. But again, they're asking that because nobody knows what anything's worth right
0: now. <laughs> right. And it's it's also a little bit of a um, uh, an anomaly that almost every brand, almost every major brand, and even boutique brands now, uh, higher output boutique brands are doing uh, their signature uh, more, I guess you could say, handcrafted models and import versions of those same guitars. Yep. Um, w- did Rickenbacker ever do anything like there's Has it always been? Nope.
1: I can I can tell you the specific parts. And again, this is off the top of my head, and someone's going to write in and go, he got that wrong. But they briefly used a Boyd vibrato from Japan, and all of their guitars since the mid-'80s have used Schaller. Tuner machines, um, but other think, than that, I, I other think, than that, all the all the, the, the all the parts are sourced locally. But all I think the, I the think chrome the- plating is done locally, and and they've but they've never they, whenever they've had a budget line or a student line, it's still made there. It's yeah. still made in, in California,
2: and that's I think the the point that that Todd was going at. You know, you look at GNL; they've got the Tribute series. Fender has the Squire series. Gibson has the Epiphone line. Rick and Bacher has never had a import lower priced. I mean, they're, they're, I they're, mean, I think they've always
0: been, they've always been built here. Yes. That's correct.
1: That's correct. And, 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 you know, I've, I've seen people complain about this. I've seen people complaining about it on message boards and on social media and say, why doesn't Rick do this? Da, da, da? And I say to them, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't afford a Ricky So You know what I did? I saved my money and bought one. Yeah and uh and i didn't get my first ones until i was uh out of high school but i uh those are different times and guitars were didn't cost as much as they do now and and ricks were not very popular so you could still find used ones for 200 dollars and stuff like that so 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 that's that you know that's a point too but um but yeah, and and uh, at some point we're probably gonna talk about the fact that they are very uh aggressive about uh, shutting down uh, imported uh, not forgery, that's the wrong word, but uh, copies, yeah and um and I think that people I, I remember Gibson stepping up to the podium over under post Henry. Uh, ownership and saying something to the effect of we're coming after all the people that are, that are, are using our, tra- our trade dress and people saying, well, what's gotten into them? I'm like, uh, man, dude, Rick's been doing this for a long time. Um, uh, and it, you know, it, it, and uh, so yeah, any, anything that, that, that uses particular lines of the, of the design it is illegal to do that and uh, is illegal to manufacture those. I don't think – I'm not going to speak for John Hall, but I don't think he's going to be too upset if you go out into your wood shop and you make a replica of a Rick because you're probably not going to sell it and you're doing it for your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's that strict about it, but – he's extremely strict about companies out of China. they make, making, and they even, they even do phony Rick, R tail pieces with R turn sideways <laughs> and they look terrible. Um, yeah. They, and he, there's toaster pickups and stuff. And something like, have you guys seen the new Jackson bass that borrows from a P bass and a Rick bass at the same time? Uh, which, I don't I, don't which think I have. It? Yeah. It just came out in the last month or two. And uh, I work at a guitar store and the guys were making fun of me going, Hey, look at this new Rick we got. And I'm like, Eh, it's an abomination. It's ridiculous. But uh um the J2.
0: It could be no, it's I the uh, X. No. Hang on. I'm I'm almost there. Yeah, it's the X series. It looks blow like that. Up. I'm blowing it up. Yeah. Look yep. at this at home. Yeah. So it's you know, that oh, doesn't
1: yeah. that, that doesn't really violate any trade dress. It just is kind of Rick flavored. Oh, yeah. Um, I can see. Yeah. So, so, it's uh, you pretty know, cool looking. I think it's,
3: anyways. I don't think it is.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it looks like, uh, you know, a Jackson and a, and a Fender and a Rick had a, had baby. a three way and yeah. this is the baby. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's, that looks
3: like something a, a smaller builder would do.
1: Yeah. It does. I but, but yeah, um, there was, there's, I, I, I the name, the names of the companies are eluding me, and it wouldn't be cool to talk about it anyway. But, but yeah, it's 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 a thing, and uh, but yeah, I don't think I think I think it would uh, lessen the, qual- the 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 brand to to have an import line, and uh, I I think that uh, John's family who are who are uh, slowly uh, taking the wheel are going to uh, keep the tradition. I sure hope so.
0: Yeah, that sounds solid. Now, something that we mentioned before, uh, we're going to kind of maybe transition a little bit out of, like, the specific and the parts and blah 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 um, I, I feel like my connection to the Rick is through Tom Petty's Damn the to Torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Now, it is, uh, it, I guess, rock lore uh, state, and I believe he's even kind of stated himself, like, that uh, he might have actually saved... Rickenbacker from going under because of that album.
1: Uh, I think Chris Squire's contribution at that point would uh would overshadow that. I think I think uh I th- well it's a known fact that Rick was keeping the lights on in the 70s with the 4001 bass, which not just Chris Squire because he used a slightly different model, but every band in the 70s if you watch a rerun of a, of of uh Midnight Special or Don Kirshner's rock concert, or anything, um, any all genres, you know, didn't matter if, the, if it's if it's a hard rock band or a soft rock band or a yacht rock band. anybody, everybody's using the Rick Bass, and they were out selling the guitars probably four to one or something. Yeah, well, that, that's um, actually
0: a good point because I was just about to ask: at what point did the the that the Rick Bass really become? so iconic well paul mccartney
1: had one but i don't think they're that iconic at that point because first of all he didn't tour with it they that's technically not true they had it on stage as a spare but he didn't use the rick bass exclusively until sergeant pepper and at which point they're just doing the occasional tv spot and they're not they're not touring and uh rick bass is from the 60s are nowhere to be found i have seen so few of them and the rest are at vincent gallo's house uh do you guys do you guys know about that vincent the, the vincent's uh, uh an actor director who collects rick bases and he's got rooms full of
0: them. yeah I'm, I'm familiar with vincent gallo but i didn't know that he had a penchant for rick rick base oh yeah oh, oh yeah he's, he's he's got many um but
1: uh but that's i'm sorry Vincent, if you're listening to this, I'm just kidding, but it's it's it is a joke that all those '60s Rick bases are at Vincent Gallows. So at some but point,
2: so, uh, so I'm I'm really thinking it's the '70s. I mean, because you had Getty Lee, you had, yep. uh, you know, well, Lemmy wasn't till the end of the '70s really. With yeah, with that's that. right.
0: He was in Winhawk for was um, he playing that in Winhawk? He, uh, Hawk, Hawk, I think Hawkwind, Hawk was, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hawkwind. Wind, was the band. Hawk was the was the cover band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, tribute yeah band, the, tribute the tribute band, tribute band. Yeah, yeah. But and then
2: McCartney started playing uh, in Wings. Uh, same bass. Yeah, he, same bass he played in the Beatles. Yeah, um, and then you know from that point, you know Chris Squire with Yes, and and you know I think a lot of people that it, it was almost positioned. As, Paul Simon
0: played one too for a while.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, he did. And uh, and
1: uh, um, uh, and Morris Gibb and uh, and uh, Roger Glover, and yeah, this is just the list goes on and on and on. Of uh, and yeah, and it, and it still got used in in prog rock because it because of its gang sound, you yeah. know, the, which is funny because Paul McCartney never used that sound, mm. he used the the flat wound, yeah. tone knob yeah. off thump thump thump. thump, thump, thump. thump. Yeah, I listen. To you. If you watch, you watch Wings Over America, the or uh, uh, rock the whatever it's called, the rock show video of of Wings at the height of their powers, and he's playing silly love songs and that thing, and it sounds like a, a it sounds like a bass trombone. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a great sound. I've been trying to get that sound for twenty five years. I can't get
0: it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, let's face it. The the Rick bass has just so much character. Yeah, uh, but. Unlike the standard, you know, like a like a Fender P bass or or you know any of the other bases you want to throw out there, at that time, um, this is a very, it's a thin body base. It's not mm-hmm. massive. It doesn't. It's not like the big giant heavy anchor, it, so to speak. They can with be the, pretty heavy. Is that the hardware? Then I'm just talking about Some the maple. like the the the, the, the whiz. I mean, it's a pretty. I, think gener- comparatively.
1: I, I agree that generally speaking, they're a little lighter weight, uh, to, you know, as far as picking it up, uh, than, uh, than certain, uh, precision basis from that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the nice thing about it, because they are bright, they are made of mostly maple and, uh, they do have the bright, uh, high end sound because of the circuitry and so on. But, uh, the nice thing about that is that it takes fuzz really good. So that's why you have Lemmy and, mm-hmm. um, and, um, Al Cisneros and people like that, 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 that use them in that way. Um, so they're kind of like a big guitar and, uh, that really, that works really well too. So they're, they're, they're ridiculously diverse. Now, why does
0: it, it take f- uh, fuzz so well again? Can you explain? Oh, or
1: just cause it's got a great snappy high end. Hmm. And so, um, so, uh, so yeah, you put that through a Marshall guitar amp, like, like Lemmy did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. Someone's going to know better than I will if Lemmy used a lot of pedals. I don't think so. I think he just turned the amp up all as far yeah, as he could. Pretty pretty, much. pretty sure. Did you? Have you guys ever? Any of you guys ever seen Motorhead? Uh, not live. I not never live. got I to got, see him live. No. Whew, I I got to uh, John Hall's son Ben, who is the factory manager now at Rickenbacker. He and I, and uh, I think Ben's wife went to see Motorhead at their invitation one time in – Orange County, and uh, we had to do a bass swap with him. We gave him a spare, and he gave us one to work on, or something like that, because we would we would do little touch ups on on people's instruments. Uh, and uh, he got he got us hammered. It was great, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, the Motorhead is one of the few shows I've you know. i'm not a wimp i i like i like it loud just as much as anybody but it's one of the few shows i had to like go outside yeah i for like the the last third of the show um because it just it 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 just gets you you know right in the right in the chest right in the gut and 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 it's and it's unrelenting is you know just yeah on and on and and it was it was wonderful it was a great experience And it's funny, I saw Lemmy about six months later and said, hey, I'm Kenny from Rick Becker, I met you at this thing, da-da-da, and he just smiled and went, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No idea. No idea who I was. One of the things that I think, uh, since we're talking about the the Rick bass right now, more so than the guitars, is something that we've referenced a lot of times on the show, which is that there's something about some of the older instruments that were made that that maybe we don't even notice now but if you if you think about like um the 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 plate the 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 pickguard and the controls and stuff on on a flying v or Mm -hmm. or looking at you know how everything is set up on the rickenbacker it's like it's like several different people came up with an idea and they put it all on one guitar it's not symmetrical The angles don't work. The curves don't Mm -hmm. necessarily follow exactly. There's the asymmetric quality to a lot of it is just off enough, and it makes it super interesting visually, I think, anyways. Um, I never thought about that with the flying V-guard, but I see your
1: point. And, you know, there's things like that. I see on on uh, on Rick's from time to time. And some of it is that the parts are mismatched because we're they're using up the last of last year's batch, and we just got the new batch in, but we need to use up these old pieces of plastic first, and whatever. That's what I'm saying that there's always with Rick's. There are always some minor inconsistencies like that that uh, that make them in, individual.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you know the giant the giant plate metal giant thing you know pick up guard cover thing on the back <laughs> of the rick and then the tiny little guy on the front on the base mm-hmm. you know it's it's just like it <laughs> everything is just wonky and it's it, you know from the, from the giant horn with a little with a little uh, uh extra bit at the end i yeah. don't know it's just it's 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 funny because i think a lot of builders now we again we've referenced this before. I'm sorry if we're covering you know uh, ground for those who've been listening a long time, but it's when you have one singular person making designing everything on it. It is very difficult to stray away from symmetry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the magic of some of these older styled instruments um, that that may have had a few more hands in it. Than, than a lot of guitars that are being made currently. Yeah,
2: I think that's. That's fair just to say. a theory.
0: It's just a theory. It's not a fact. Um, okay, got a couple more questions here. Um, let's see. We we mentioned the Beatles. Obviously, they're a huge part of of this story. How did uh, that get, they get involved with uh, the Beatles? The, the John Lennon walked
1: into a. A guitar shop in in Hamburg, Germany, when they were a bar band. Everybody knows about that. Mm -hmm. And they wanted American guitars. They wanted American guitars. George Harrison had a famous story about how he was moments away from buying a Stratocaster in Liverpool once. And a a guy with, you know, who had the cash on him from maybe from Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, I don't remember, got the guitar first. And uh, how he was always like, ah, I wish I'd have gotten it because he had wanted an American guitar because they had, uh, you know, they had, uh, I mean, this is this is predating McCartney on the Hoffner. This is, uh, they didn't have good instruments yet. And so uh, John Lennon had seen uh, the late great Toots Thielmans playing a Rickenbacker on the cover of a George Shearing quintet album. And so he, he recognized the shape and sort of got acquainted with the name. Probably They probably didn't have a lot of literature around about them, but he just probably remembered it. And then went into... Uh, store in Hamburg and they had the guitar that he bought and they said, Oh, that's that, that's that brand. And he, John Lennon was not a big guy. He's the Beatles are little skinny guys, you know, and he, uh, it just, it just suited him. And he was, you know, he wasn't a Waylon Clapton esque player. He was a, he was a strummer and knew all the fancy jazz chords and broken chords from playing plectrum banjo and stuff. Not plectrum banjo, but playing, playing banjo. And, uh, and, and uh, got it And I think I read somewhere that George Harrison was like uh, He might have paid it off He got it on, on, on <laughs> He got it on higher purchase which is like layaway And he's like I'm not sure if he paid it off or not But anyway he got it And just loved it And that's the little blonde 325 With the Kaufman vibrato that everybody knows about And then uh, Later George got uh, The black duo, Gretsch duo jet And I think that the, Between wanting to have matching guitars because they thought it was cool. And also, he had probably dropped it a few times and scratched it up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So he got his guitar refinished in black and it was apparently a pretty crap job like done with a paintbrush or whatever. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, so that that was how he got started. And then somebody hipped... Oh, and then George came over to America about six months before the Ed Sullivan show. Maybe not six months, but a few months before the Ed Sullivan show. And he bought a 425 that was also... No, no, he had that guitar painted black as well. Yeah, it was it refinished. Was a, yeah, It was refinished. And so um, somebody found an early shot of them playing on Thank You Lucky Stars, or one of those British TV shows of the two guys playing at Ricks. And somebody hipped FC Hall and said, you got to get an audience of these guys, because they're, the, they're the, the going to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And you need to get on this. And somehow, miraculously... Uh, they got you know the ear of Brian Epstein and and a famous story about them meeting in in New York. Uh, the first part everybody knows, which is that they they Mr. Hall set up a uh, a, a hotel a, a large hotel suite with their guitars like a miniature Nam show and uh, and uh, the Beatles came in to check out all the stuff and they had made. They had one of the early 12 strings, the second one they had made and uh, which wound up being the hard day's Night 12 string. I'm doing the condensed version of the story because because <laughs> uh, everybody's got the books and everybody knows all this stuff. And so uh, but George wasn't there because he's he's in the hospital, so they took the guitar over to the hospital, the 12 string and let him play it and he said, "Yes, I love it, I want it." and off they went. But here's the part that not a lot of people know is that so so FC Hall, Francis Hall was there, uh, of course, and said um, he had he had some assistant with him, a flunky of some kind. He said uh, – uh, he gave him a couple bucks and said, go down to the Five and Dime and get the new Beatles album because my, my son, John, is – you know, he's 14. He'd like an autographed album by these guys. And so the kid said, okay, and went down and bought a brand new copy of Meet the Beatles, which had just come out uh, that month or something. Uh-huh. So – they bring it back to the room, and they get through with their formalities, and they're looking at guitars and, and blah, blah, blah. And he says, uh, oh, yeah, would you would you fellows mind signing this? And they go, sure, we'd be happy to. And he hands them the record, and they go, what's that? They said, well, that's your new album. And they look at it, the front of it and the back of it. They had never seen a copy of Meet the Beatles. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it's an American-only release, and they had just gotten there like the day before. So they huh. signed it. They started to sign it on the back, like two of them signed it on the back, and said, "No, no, no, we need to sign it on the front." So they signed it on their faces on the front or whatever. And uh, and uh, Hall took that record home and gave it to his son John, who still has it. Wow! And uh, worth a fortune. He, he took it on Antiques Roadshow about ten years ago, and I'll let you go on YouTube and find the clip.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. Um, So that's, uh, but isn't that funny how they're like, oh, the Beatles is this new new group. My son would like an autographed record from them. That would be nice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What a a fine gentleman. Indeed. So we got two more questions that I think are worth asking here. Um, These are all shapes and models and features that have largely been unchanged for quite some time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah I'd say. yeah do you Largely. think that there is any will there be any new developments it, it, they're just gonna they're gonna keep tony shaking his head like no nope. i'll tell you dumb what dumb Todd. well
1: no well no well here's the thing is that every every so often they come up with a new design and if it's not a direct so so the example that tony came up with a little bit ago is the 1993 plus which is 1993 was a Hollow body twelve string double bound, but they call it the plus because the neck has got a one and three quarter nut width, and wider than your your typical Rick nut width, which I can't remember what the typical one is, but it's smaller than one and three quarter, and uh, and uh, that was was and remains fairly successful. Whenever Rick has tried to come up with something that is a departure, um, a few diehards pick them up. And then they get phased out after a few years because they don't sell as well as a three hundred and thirty or a three hundred and sixty or a four thousand three. Um, now, now there are constant develops in production, developments in production. There are constant improvements. There are constant changes in like how can we make a better, stronger finish. How can we, you know, let's do things like take the finish off the fingerboard, see how that goes. Let's. Uh, let's upgrade the pots from this value to that value, whatever there, there are, there are changes that way. But, um, I think someone that wants a Rick walks into the store and says, I'd like a Rick, please.
0: Mm-hmm. That's um,
1: fair. Yeah. So I, so they, but they do it. They, they came up with the whole, um, 650 series in the nineties mm-hmm. and they just, they didn't, they finally got phased out about five, 10 years ago. Uh, they had a, uh, Solid body series in the 80s that had bolt on necks that was predated by another bunch of bolt on neck, uh, solid bodies in the 70s. Uh, you had the 430 and the and so on, uh, the four, uh, not the 450, but anyway, you had some in the 70s and in, in a matching base series, the 3000 series. And, uh, and a, a few people are sentimental about them, but, but, uh, they kind of went away and then like i say in the 80s they had these ones that had these cool pickups that were like funky passive humbucker things and solid body uh with bolt on necks and uh anyone who plays one goes hey this is pretty cool but uh but they're they're not as as classic rickenbacker yeah so i guess classic is probably the word i'm looking for not retro so much as classic
0: yeah i think that's that's pretty fair yeah. Um now speaking of all these models and 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 um just being aware of what's out there I think final final question uh, unless Tony stops me after this and and wants to add something um <laughs> what should people who maybe are just getting into uh, this <laughs> largely as a result of this show, I would imagine. Of course. Um, yeah. What should people either look for or be wary in buying a used one? Because I think most of our audience sort of revels in the used market.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. I want to chew on that for a minute. Tony, do you have any suggestions about that?
2: Well, I think, you know, obviously if you're, if you're getting a vintage piece, you'll want to make sure that the parts are of the of the same era. Mm-hmm. In other words, the pickups haven't been replaced. The tuning machines
0: haven't been replaced. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. It probably is.
2: But I tell you, I I've believed for the longest time that you know some of the newer models, and I'm talking things post, you know, 1985 and up. I think are some of the best man, best made Rickenbackers. So I don't think you can go wrong with a newer model even you know the you know, buying something that's you know 10 15 years old it's going to be a, a, a decent instrument
0: yeah well and they're they're still like comparably priced it's hard that they just kind of new think, ones I and think, used ones are virtually I mean they're right in the same ballpark well
2: part of it is there you know uh, there was there was a, a period of time where there was a shortage uh, where dealers were waiting a year year and a half, Maybe longer to get new models in, so the used market for Rickenbackers, backers, sorry, <laughs> I reverted. Oh, oh, Tony, I reverted, <laughs> Tony. Uh, but you know, the, there there was that period of time. So, I mean, I think that's what kind of drives the price. But I've, I, I still feel even with I know you know the newer newest models of twenty ones, and and I mean, I'm sure the twenty twos might be a hundred dollars more or whatever. I still think they're one of the best value guitars, American made instruments, because there's nothing else like them. And, you know, if if that's the look and the sound that you're going for, that's the only place you're going to get it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when, uh, the joke I make is whenever I meet someone who is either anti-Rick or just goes, shrugs your shoulders and goes, eh, it's, it's not really for me, um, that, you know, it's not my job to convince them even when I worked there, it was never my job to convince them that it was the guitar for them. I shrugged and said, "Oh, more for me." But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, so somebody like the the, the Billy Joe Armstrong example, he has a, a Jekyll three hundred and sixty. He's customized it where he tick all the knobs off the pick guard and has a. I bet you, Tony, you probably made the guard for him where it's just got one volume knob with no toggle switch or anything. Um, but that is uh as far as i know that's the only modification he made to the thing and it still sounds like green day um but i having said that don't go in you know if, if you're looking at, at getting a rick don't think that you're going to be able to play metal on a hollow body right you may, maybe you can i can't <laughs> um but uh but because you're just going to run into feedback problems and things like that, so be realistic about those. But that's just guitar buying 101. Um, but yeah, as far as whether they're a good value or not, yeah, they're still they're still great when you consider that an ES 335 is going. What's street price on an ES 335 new right now? Six grand mm. or something?
2: they're yeah, the, well, yeah, the, I think that that whole line has just shot up.
1: Yeah. So, and, and that's the that's the echelon of where Rick is quality wise, not with Epiphones, not with an Epiphone dot or anything like that. But, you, you know, that are made overseas, but the, the, the ones that are made in America um, eh, are going to, you know, that when you compare where Rick's are selling now with that, they yes, they are. They are a, a great bang for the buck. Hmm. And I um, think
2: even vintage ones. I mean, even though they might be, you know, people are asking three, four, five, ten thousand dollars for some of the the earliest ones. They're still yeah. when you compare that to what a lot of Gibsons are going for or a lot of Fenders. I mean, it's. I, I think you know. I think I, I said earlier that I think the vintage market for for Rickenbackers is is you know they're they're generally mm. undervalued by a lot of people. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they're, they're not going to be as popular. They're never going to be as popular as a as a as a uh, late fifties burst, or a, well, yeah, or whatever. You know, there's a, that's always going to take. You know, it, it, you we know, just have to get have Bonamassa to, to
2: play them, and then everybody will buy them. <laughs> hey, man, I,
1: I. So, are you guys familiar with the uh, the Rick uh, Light Show guitars? Yes, yes. Okay, so um, I was in Indiana, Indianapolis, a couple years ago, and the there's a great little mom and pop shop there <laughs> called Arthur's Music, and. Um, and they had just bought a big collection of Ricks and other, other similar Beetle-ish guitars and a couple of cool Vox amps and stuff from a collector. And I just happened to be coming to the town and I saw I, I, I saw that they had gotten this stuff, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy and check it out. And they had a uh, they had a Rick Light show, and I have one too, so I wanted to compare it. I didn't plug it in and to look at the lights and stuff. I just wanted to play it because they've got extraordinarily tiny necks, and so um, I went and played it. And about two weeks later, Bonamassa got one on his web on his YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the same guitar. He, uh, he buys he buys he buys lots of guitars from Arthur's, and it was that guitar.
0: Man, <laughs> well, uh, this has been enlightening to say the least. I, I think we
2: just scratched the surface. I, I mean,
0: and honestly, oh, yeah, I want one of these now. I, I actually <laughs> legitimate now. Tony is going to be kind enough and let me uh, try out his uh, three thirty. Um, Tony, do you have any 12-strings?
2: Yeah, I've got the uh, 360 V64. Okay,
1: yeah. So the 12-strings are a whole other topic because there's so much about them that sets them apart from every other guitar on the planet. The fact Mm -hmm. that they've got a short headstock with classical-style tuners and standard-style tuners just to cut down on the length of the the headstock, Mm -hmm. which is genius. Thank you, Dick Burke, who was the factory (laughs) manager for many years. Pretty smart. dick is one of the other unsung heroes of uh of rick he was there for for ever and ever and came up with a lot of neat ideas like that um and uh also i'm not sure whose idea it was it might have been fc hall uh for the uh thicker string string well not the thicker string up top. So everybody knows when you play a standard uh, 12-string acoustic or electric, you strum a chord, the first note you hit is the octave string of the E. Well, ricks are flipped the other way around, so the first the first note you hit is the root. Hmm. Um, and I've got mine right here, so I'll just go... And like that. And uh, so the nice thing about that, again, you can play an A-chord, an A-power chord with, with one finger because of the it's way that they're,
0: great. <laughs> because,
1: because of the way they're set up. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it just, it just, it just, it's just all those little ingredients that add up to make, uh, to make a, to make the 12 string uh, great. I would play, I would play in my band, I would play 12 string all the time, except that I need to do solos with bends some t- bending notes sometimes, which is why I got a double neck.
0: that's that's an entirely other story too oh dude yeah it's yeah i'm uh i
1: i'm very happy i don't have that many guitars compared to some friends of mine anyway and uh but i'm very happy that everyone has a has a cool story and uh there's actually the guitar I'm, i'm i'm playing right now that i have in front of me there's a there's a fella named john mcnicholas here in atlanta that did a uh a uh, uh, sort of a photojournal series on people's favorite instruments. And It's called that one guitar, mm. and it's not it's not restricted to guitars. He he went with people that you know my, the, their favorite musical instruments. So it could have been a clarinet or 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 whatever, a drum, a favorite drum or whatever. And uh, I was lucky enough that he did one on me and my uh, my twelve my this twelve string I have here, which I got for my eighteenth birthday. So wow, that's um, cool. Anyway, but yeah if you if you care enough folks, you can go find that online somewhere but uh because because it's 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 cool if you guys haven't done this yet, I'm sure you will do a thing about what's your craziest favorite guitar story because they've all got you know if you've been at this long enough and you get to be a certain age, all your instruments have a story or two or three or ten yeah built built into them you know and so that's that's uh i'm I'm happy about that with the guitars
0: i have fantastic well uh kenny thank you so much for for lending uh so much uh usually tony's the one with the air and we appreciate you sharing so much of it take to get this uh show so heavily laden with with great details and everything um thank thank you so much
1: for asking me tony uh tony is a dear friend and has been for many years and has uh and uh we've uh you know uh, we we haven't gotten to see each other very much lately so i hope but, we can rectify that at yeah, some point yeah absolutely exactly. you
3: guys have another moment to share right now cuz we're going to play a little game called <laughs> would you ra- <laughs> would you rather this week's would you oh. rather yeah we're going to play would you rather this okay. week's would you rather you're walking down the street and then you go to the Who's studio this from? And at the end of the thing, and uh, (laughs) you're walking down the street and you go into the studio. Studio. And then you come out of the studio. Out. That's right. And a man with a briefcase approaches you. He says that a well-known multi-millionaire wants you to have your band to play a private party for $5,000. $5,000? $5, that's a lot of money. You try to act sure. cool, but your eyes are spinning like a slot machine that's about to pay out. But the man says, we will pay you double if everybody in the band wears a tight pink tutu. <laughs> just, just like the one that uh, the old Cheech wore Yeah, In the Battle of Bands on Up and Smoke. Photos of your band will be plastered all over his very popular social media, too.
0: My mama talking to me, trying to tell me how to live.
3: (laughs) So, do you take the five grand to play the gig in normal clothes and get zero promotion? Or do you take the ten grand to play in a ridiculous and very revealing outfit for this rich weirdo to laugh at and spread all over the interwebs? Oh, man. Who's this from? Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Daniel, and he is from Wollongong, Wollongong, Australia.
0: Yeah.
3: Wow. Very cool. W-O-L-L-O-N-G-O-N-G, Wollongong.
0: Yeah. Well, and a lovely how-do-you-do to all of our fans in Australia. G'day. Yeah, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. You call that a nice Yeah. Wow, you guys really, I was trying not to go. You yeah, You pulled her out. I was really trying to keep it, stay classy, you know. <laughs> hey, g- g'day is a perfectly acceptable way to treat it yeah, a <laughs> it it's fun. Right. Uh, no, it's It's See? No, we keep going with that. Um, How's your mother? Sorry about all the- How's your father? That, all the Australian stuff. Okay, uh, so- so yeah, Tanisha, duty pants. Five
2: thousand. You just play in your street clothes. What you're wearing now? What I'm wearing now. A
3: perfectly acceptable
2: clothing. Okay, perfect. Yeah. What if you're What if you're already wearing a tutu?
3: Yeah, that's uh, a good question. Excellent.
2: I think it makes the answer a little yeah, easier. Yes, so I think so. <laughs> and ten grand. If the whole band where is are you wearing things other than the tutu?
0: It doesn't sound like it.
2: Uh,
3: Yeah, just the tutu, and that's it. Just the tutu. Wow. Yeah. I don't think any
0: undergarments. I tell you what, I'll pay you twenty not to see Tony in a (laughs) tutu. All right. So, so Uh, Tony, uh, go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna make our rounds. All right.
2: Go ahead. I'm gonna go for it. I've I'm going for the ten grand and the tutu.
0: Okay. Sounds good. I mean,
2: yeah. I've I've worn more ridiculous things in a
1: tutu. All right. Kenny, how about yourself? And he's gotten paid less than that. for yes. Much <laughs> yes. um, uh, less. I I I also go for. There's no, uh, there's 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 only one thing worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. Yeah. Um. I would uh, ten grand, and it's is I think I think it was our friend John Lennon who said, "I'll wear a bloody balloon if I get paid." So,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So two two it is.
0: Okay, Jared.
3: Yeah, so, oh boy! I,
0: everybody, cover your eyes.
3: I could do the two You might day. need a three three. <laughs> the least, Jared. I'm definitely wearing the two I don't care how revealing it is, because I'm old and I'm fat, and nobody wants
0: to see it anyway. Okay, so that's well. I'm definitely not going to do that. What? Uh, sorry, well, I'm well, on the island this time. I've, I, you know, you know how I am about our the our, my bands. And well, you all still that think stuff. you're
3: going to be rich and famous? <laughs> no, I
0: don't. Yeah. So uh, that was super fun. Thank you so much for sending that um, particular Would You Rather? That was really good. That was really, really good. Thank you, Daniel. Much obliged. Um, We need to thank a few people. Yes, Todd. And then we're going to say goodbye to uh, everybody. And let's start with thanking a few people first. I'm going to thank a few
2: people, you know, because at this point of the show, Todd. There's a special group of people that we love to thank. Uh These are our executive producers. Now, Kenny's probably wondering, what's an executive producer? And more importantly, how could he become one? Well, (laughs) you just go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor of this very podcast. Each level comes with a great bevy of thank you gifts, including things like T-shirts and barefoot buttons and flashlights and keychains and picks and stickers and all the good stuff. But as an executive producer, there's one thing more, Jared. That's right. You get to have your name read on the Your thing. name read on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Big breath in. Ah, big breath out. Tom Barazin. Yeah. Darren Gregory. Doug Christ. Ken Sayers. Michael Senchuk. Stefan Lamb. Anthony Lathrop. John Engwin. John Esterley. Justin Jones. James White. Matt Hart. Bill Gola Guitars. Richard Kendall. Tige Harmon. John Jackson. Jason Roush, Gary Cooper. Mark Garten. Elad Mizrahi. Magadie, D, Trevor Gunberg, Rick Calhoun, Anthony Jimalero, John Halverson, and Drew Lopez. Hey, but wait, isn't there more? Oh, there's definitely more. More? Get your name right on the things. Well, Let's most importantly, we have a, a, a special group of executive producers. Oh, yeah. We call them our Grand Poobas. That's right. These folks get to wear a fez upon their heads while listening to the podcast. Orange fezes. Orange fezes. nice. They get all kinds of great stuff. Yep. So special, special, special thanks to these Grand Poobas. Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Science of Sound, Cody Foster, Sean S. S. Tommy Manasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, Ellis J. Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mel Sanders, Bob Crouch, Sam Jett, Michio Murakishi, Martin Cliff, Hex Matos, Michael Van Zant, Andrew Dehan, Brian Robison, and John Daly.
0: All right. We love you. We certainly do. Thank you all so much for chipping in and your constant support for us. We really, truly do appreciate it. Um, Kenny, where could people maybe find you on the internet uh, and, and and get into what you're uh, you're doing out there?
1: I've got a couple of places. I'm on ReverbNation.com, so it's ReverbNation.com/slash Kenny Howes. My last name is H-O-W-E-S. Uh, I have a, uh, a page on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Kenny Howes fan page. Um, I am also on all the usual places like uh, Bandcamp and CD Baby and such, where you, where, you, wherever you purchase music. Uh, some of my stuff is on Spotify. I'm working to get all of it on there. And uh, I am a singer-songwriter in the power pop genre who has how many albums do i have eight and so i've been uh i've got uh, those are all self so self-named the band your, yeah, your music. so it's under, it's under my name kenny house uh okay. and so yes you can find all that stuff uh where wherever you like to purchase music and um uh that's that's where i am drop me a line say hi show me pictures of your guitars and uh and uh we'll talk some more about it cool tony nice, nice. I can uh, uh by the way I'll 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 play you out when we're done. I've got a, a a thing I can play to for the end of the of the of the podcast. Sounds so, good. Sounds yeah. good.
2: We don't Carry have on. to pay uh royalties or anything on that, do we? Uh only to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, uh not you head over to pickguardian.com check out some of the things that I have available for sale. Lots of Rick stuffs are available for sale. I always say though, you know, this stuff can be custom so you might want to send a tracing uh you know there's some series out there and i'll let you know if you order something and i need a tracing or need you to send the guard yeah um but you know by and large what i do is custom shoot me an email let me know what you need i might even have some good ideas to make your special project even more spatial
0: yep all the cool materials I,
2: i have personally sent tony
1: my own personal pick guards uh At least half a dozen times, and they always come back
0: in better shape. Well, that's
2: why I hope. (laughs) Even though they do go through the
0: post office. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Jared, how about yourself? Where can people find you?
2: Get a hold
3: of me on the Guitar Knob social media messaging things, Mm. and I will have a future uh, Instagram thing too. I've been hearing about this
0: future thing for now the last three months. What Uh, gives? If if we keep saying it's going to happen, it'll happen at some point.
3: If yeah. you build it, they will come. Yeah. Just remind me one day and yeah. I'll make it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, we do every week. But anyways. <laughs> um so uh you can drop me a line, Todd at the and also at Guitar Knobs on Instagram, we would love to hear your stories. We'd love for you to share your four on the floors and give us some "Would You Rather"s, people. That last one from Daniel was yeah, spectacular.
3: Top that! Woo uh,
0: So hopefully, we all know a little bit more and appreciate a whole lot more the world of Rickenbacker guitars, or as they say in England, appreciate. Appreciate. Yeah, yes. <laughs> appreciation. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, <laughs> if, he,
1: if 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 he does if he does hear this, I would like to say uh, hi to my old boss John Hall and uh, the owner of Rickenbacker, and uh,
0: hope all is well and hope to see you and yours soon. Excellent. Uh, hey everybody, have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. Nah. There, you can fade that out. I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I've been saving it. Yeah, well, you dislodged the polska kielbasa that's been up there since you were 16. Oh, that's um, what that was. It still tastes good. Woo, doggies. We're going to have a good one tonight. <clears throat> and action. Mm, I was
2: made for loving oh. you, baby.
0: Kenny, if you hear this. Yes. That's when I have to cut Tony off and, and make an edit. <laughs> All uh, right. Occasionally, these clowns, uh, and then myself, we screw it mess up. it up. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, dear God. I'm, I'm... Tony didn't take his centrum today. Oh, I man. guess <laughs> <did> not.
2: <laughs>
0: no, don't do it, Jared. <laughs> Too late. You did it. Damn it. <laughs> we're cutting this part out, right? Yeah, we're yeah, cutting yeah. this part <laughs> out. Hang on. <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash theguitarnobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.